Vegas Video Network Studios, just steps from the Las Vegas Strip, it's Top of the Food Chain! And now your host, he's one part mohawk, two parts attitude, and a touch of what the f***, it's Al Mancini! You guys are too kind. Thank you so much. Hey, welcome to the, welcome to Top of the Food Chain. I'm your host, Al Mancini. Some say the bastard love child of Sid Vicious and Rachel Ray. I don't know, though. <laughs> she seems a little too young to, and probably a little too pure for that. Anyway, the one food show that is unlike any other food shows you're going to find here in Las Vegas, or probably just about anywhere. And as you can see, I've got my good friends Tequila here with me today. So this is going to get fun. We're going to have a good show, but first I should remind all of you that we love to take email questions. If you've got one, shoot it to us at food at vegasvideonetwork.com. That would be probably for next week if you've got a question. If you want to talk to us live right now, though, we've got a live chat going on. So just hop in the chat room. I don't know, you've got to enter some kind of information, but I'm sure you're smart people and you will figure it out. So get on the chat room. You're definitely going to want to talk to my guests tonight. We're going to be talking to Keela, and we're going to be talking to one of the contestants from Next Food Network star. Also, we run this show live, or not live, excuse me, we run a rebroadcast of this show every week at 1400 FM, AM, excuse me. Yeah, there is no 1400 FM, and I used to do a career in radio, I should know that. That's um, KSHP. We've got a listener line. If you're listening to us there right now and you have any questions, you can call toll free, leave your questions, and we will get to them next week or the week after or sometime down the line. That's 866-966-4599. In the meantime, if you want to check out any of the older episodes of Top of the Food Chain or any of the other great Vegas Video, Vegas Video Network shows, you can find them all archived on iTunes. You've got audio. You've got video. You got, um, we've got them on YouTube, whole nice long versions of them because we've got a cool YouTube partnership that Scott set up. And um, there you go. Lots of cool stuff for you. So let's kick off today because we've got so much to do. I do not want to waste some time. We are ready to start today. Scott, how are you, my brother? I am lovely. Yes? Yes. You seem a little mellow. Have you it's, been sampling the tequila already? No, they, the guest, although he's a handsome man, <laughs> is kind of a hoarder. <laughs> he wouldn't let me have any. Wouldn't let you have any no. quite yet. No, no, I told him that. Not until after the show. Keep <laughs> Scott it? off okay. the tequila Fair enough. until after the show. Scott, I am beginning to develop, to develop some newfound respect for you. How many shows do you have going here at the Vegas Video Network? Uh, right now we're running seven. Seven. Unbelievable. I mean, I'm actually in the process this past week of trying to launch my second video show, which I thought I'd be able to plug here tonight, but still not up and running. There's a lot of work. You do a lot of stuff here, man. Yes, there is, which is why I have shows like this, so I can get free alcohol into the studio. Ah, well, that's see? good. You Thank see, you. man, you, you work it all out. That's very, very cool. So um, anyway, a lot of newfound respect for you. Plus, you got to be the host this week. You hosted on TalkTown. I did. I got to uh, interview Chris Phillips, who's known as Zoe Bowie here around town. It was fun. Uh, he was very open, and uh, we had a really good time. It was good. Yeah. So if anybody wants to see that, you can check that out you at bet. VegasVideoNetwork.com. You, you can bet. get it on iTunes, all those places. Anyway, I got a lot of cool stuff coming on today. We are under the gun for time because we got too much... Too much things to do, too much. Man, yes, you would think I talked for a living. Anyway, let's hit a um, station break and see if I can get my tongue back together and bring in the first guest. <laughs> Hi, I'm Chris Phillips from Talk Tales, and you're watching the Vegas Video Network. 
And if you stop by the studio, our producer Scott's going to buy everybody a drink. Yeah, all right, man. You see the crowd. You see, we got it going on here. You see my guest, you'll understand why he's in that metal mood. Vic Vegas, brother, how are you? I'm great, brother. What's up? An old, old friend, Chef Vic Vegas here. Um, I've been a fan of yours since you were running high rollers over in the university area. Great little sandwich shop, junk food, probably the most fattening food I've ever oh, eaten. Yeah. I mean, and I eat foie gras, I eat 12 courses of foie gras sometimes, and your stuff, I think, clog my arteries worse than that. Yes. But it was just as good, man. It yes, was it just was. as good. It was worth it, yes? Yes, it was. Okay. It was. And um, Vic, of course, then you spent some time at the Hard Rock? Yeah, I did. I spent some time at the Hard Rock. I teamed up with a chef over there named Scott, and we opened up Johnny's Smalls, which is a tapas place, yeah. and it was great to have the experience to be able to open up a place like that. Small bites, little fancy, but in like a rock and roll environment. Yeah. So I mean, that yeah, was great. One of the many people who misuses the word tapas in this town. Thank you very much yes. for bastardizing that term. Yes. It was not Spanish tapas. It was just small bites, but it, it's still a good place, and they've got a great all-you-can-eat deal to this day. Yeah. I highly recommend it to people. Then you went over and you opened the restaurant at Rumor, the little boutique hotel. Yes, I did. Rumor Hotel. It was a great experience. You know, very trendy, very boutique-y. Um, the owner over there actually let me run wild and do my menu that I wanted to do, and you know, we definitely had a lot of fun with that. But what the reason people, the reason you're here, first of all, is not just because you know you're a friend and a great chef, but it's because you're on. Um, Next Food Network star. And yes. that's where everybody out there, everybody in the audience here has been watching you and everybody at home, I'm sure. Yes. Okay, I gotta say, what the hell happened the first two weeks, man? You're kind of making me embarrassed to be your friend there. I know. I, I think I almost relocated. Uh, you can change your name to Vic Wisconsin and go uh, into witness protection or I was something. checking out <laughs> names of islands that were very far away from everything, but, you know, yeah. I decided just to stick it out and, like in Vegas, uh, you know, Luck can change. Luck can change. Yeah. And that's exactly what's happening right now. The luck has changed. Well, for people who, who um, haven't watched, Vic, first episode comes on. You've got two challenges. You don't plate either of them. I mean, yeah. you know, and I've got, I've got friends. I mean, you know, my buddy Rick Moonen. Rick was on the first season of Top Chef Masters. He didn't plate his first dish. Um, but he played it a second that episode, man. Yes. You didn't play either of them. What the? I know. I, I figured I was going to get in a little bit of trouble for this when I saw you. I was, <laughs> I was definitely dreading this moment. But you know what? It's one of those things that you have to go through to realize what not to do again. You know, it's, it's really intense. I mean, there's just, there's so many cameras on you. And, you know, it's something you've always been wanting to do for such a long time. And finally, you make it here for being good at doing this. But... Once you get there and the judges are on you and the cameras are on you and you're with all these people you don't even know, it's a matter of just catching your head and staying focused. You know, what impressed me, though, about you is second time around, you know, you had it actually plated. Vic had all his food on the plate, and um, one of the other contestants, and he were, they were running around like crazy, and they just slammed into each other, and the food just went flying. And, you know, I watch a lot of these shows, and a lot of contestants would have been up there just trying to... I don't want to use the term that's so overused, throw them under the bus, but you know, a lot of people would have just turned on the other person and said, it's her fault, you know, she screwed me up. You didn't, you were really gracious about it, man. And I mean, I think that showed a lot of class. You've always had that, you know, I 
had to, I've been forced to write some negative things about <laughs> you in the past, and you're one of those guys that um, you know you don't get upset when you get criticized. You seem pretty humble and willing to you know accept that you screwed up, and that that's pretty cool of you. I have to take that, you know, because that's what's going to help me get better, and I really mean that, you know, when I say that, you know. I'll, Part of the reason why I've gotten as far as I've gotten, you know, in, in growing in this journey, you make mistakes and you can't shut out the criticism. You gotta accept it, because that's a tool right there to your success. Take it in and run with it. Right. Then episode two, I don't know what the hell you made because you just stopped talking and yeah. stopped describing it. What was on that pizza that you couldn't describe? Oh, it was an awesome pizza. It had crispy prosciutto, portobello mushrooms, uh, regatta cheese. I put no red sauce on there, so it was more like a white pizza. And it just had a lot of garlic and herbs. and. As Giada was eating it, she said, oh, he can cook. And I'm like, okay, that's the first thing I needed to hear that I'm here is that I can cook because that's part of the reason why I'm here. Right. And you finally got some good, good food out um, on episode two. Episode three just aired this past Sunday. If anybody's watching it, Vic again humiliated his friends by choosing to dip asparagus in chocolate. <laughs> what was going on? Have you done that before? I mean, uh, I've No, I haven't. Did you try it before you sent it out? You know, in this case, you don't really have time to try things before you do it. And with some of the food that you've tried in the past for me that is memorable to you, you know, like your nut butters and all that crazy stuff I like to make you, it was all just by taking a chance and just making it. In this case, there wasn't no taking a chance and then presenting it. It was just like, all right, let's just give this a shot. <laughs> okay. Either it's going to be good or it's going to be bad. But that's usually how trend setting begins. If it's not good, you throw it out and you start over. Have you gone back and actually tried to taste chocolate-covered asparagus just to see what you put those poor judges through? I did. And I got to <laughs> tell you, people are even contacting me, you know, over the Internet and they're saying, you know what, we tried it. It's an acquired taste, but it's not that bad. And I'm like, still, I don't think I'm ever going to try that one again. Right. I think we're just going to leave that one down. Okay, you wouldn't serve that. You wouldn't eat your food in that case. No, I wouldn't. Okay, we've got, um, I knew the chat lines were going to go crazy here. Scott, we've got somebody in the chat room. We do. Bill wants to know, Vic, how much of the show is completely in the moment versus having to do multi-takes? Awesome question. It is all completely in the moment. Like, you have no idea what you're doing until you do it. And like, for real, like, I'm sitting at home for years watching this show and I'm going, oh, I would have did this, I would have did this. It happens so fast. It's almost like through this journey, you build up an education doing it, you know, as well as competing, you know? So it, it is all just right then and there. Like, yeah. you have no idea what's gonna happen until it does. Hey, I wanna talk about the relationships with the other contestants, because people are always curious about this. First of all, Alicia went home this week. I know. Thank God Alicia went <laughs> home this week. I, Alicia, if you're watching this, what, I, I don't know. First of all, you know, I'm gonna be a little prejudiced. She's kind of the ex-model pretty girl. Kind of, I think she thinks she could just bat her eyelashes and everybody was gonna just let her do whatever she wanted. She cried when people said negative things. There's no crying in baseball, as Tom <laughs> Hanks would say, you know? Um, were you glad to see her go home? Because uh, she talked like she had a retainer in her mouth the whole time. <laughs> you know, I, I got to tell you what's crazy. Like, like, I'm not one to really go, like, behind the scenes here, but I got to tell you, she was a very nice person, like, off the set. What it was is the pressure. That just shows you how much pressure it is, because when we're talking, she's really calm and cool, but as soon as the cameras got on her, she got really just like, oh, my God, you know? But overall, a really nice person, but, you know, I'm just very sad that she went down for her forte. She's a cupcake queen, and in this case, you know, she unfortunately served dry cupcakes. Yeah, that was a little, that was a little sad to me. I mean, it's like, look, I've got some recipes I only make once every six months, and I'm not a professional chef, but 
I could kind of make them on the fly. I could remember what's in them. This woman makes cupcakes for a living. I mean, this is what she does day in and day out. And then they ask her to make cupcakes, and she like freaks out that she can't remember the recipe for cupcakes that she makes every day. I mean, is she sitting there in a cupcake shop with a recipe posted to the wall? Good, good point. There, I, good question. You know, it's a little. I don't know. You got it. Here's the thing. I know you're going to be nice about these people, and it, there's a <laughs> lot of reasons. I mean, one, you know, you're a nice guy. Like I said, you know, you respond well even when I've criticized you. You're cool. Um, two, I think when you go through. I mean, two. Well, you got a business connection with them. Probably some of them down the line. You're going to be doing a lot of promotions. You can't be spewing, you know, garbage. But I think that. When you get through something this stressful that two people or, or 12 people go through together, you're kind of going to feel a bond with them after the fact. Oh, no matter how much they annoyed you during the filming of the show, you're still going to have a kind of a love for them that you all made it through the fire in some way together. Absolutely. That said, who did you hate most at the time? Who was the one that you just wanted to punch in the face at the time, even if you may be best buddies right now? You no, know? okay, absolutely. Well, obviously, I mean, I got, you know, I got Chris, and um, he was my roommate, you know, and I, I love Chris. Even though Chris is all over the place, Chris actually really, like, listened to me as an older brother, so we got through that. Thank God he did, because I don't know how it would have went if he didn't. But overall, I mean, I really got along with everybody on the show. I, I for the time that, you know, everything was going on, I really got to see everybody's good side, and I appreciated them for that. And that's the honest truth. Chris, I would want to punch in the face through the TV, <laughs> except he's really much stronger than me. I could tell, so that wouldn't work. I got a question. I, we have a chat question, but I got it. We're on the subject of Chris. Sure. There was a scene this week. You and Chris sitting on the couch together with no pants on. Yes. What was going on there? <laughs> I must confess, um, the, the truth is, and, and I will I will give this behind the scenes info. I had my now, don't laugh. I had my Pac-Man pajamas on, and he had his Superman pajamas on, and we had to cover them up. For real? For real. <laughs> okay, I was, man, I would have gone with something like we were just in the pool and we had wet bathing suits on. I know, I you see, <laughs> he sees a bromance forming here, and, and everyone sees the bromance forming. But uh, yeah, I know, me and Chris were sitting there talking with towels wrapped around each other, but it was strictly to cover the cool pajamas that we wore. And because probably so, trademark problems yeah, or things like that. Yeah, stuff like that. Okay, um, we, again, I've been putting off this chat person. Scott, what do we got going on? We actually have two questions. Nate wants to know, uh, did that gal's cupcake background hurt her versus having other you know, cooking discipline background? In other words, being singular in cupcakes, did that hurt her uh, overall in the, in the show? It limited her in a lot of areas, but um, you know, overall, I think if she would have really brought it with the cupcakes, I believe she would have definitely survived another week. So, in a sense, you know, be, being limited on your talent and being in this environment, in a way, it did kind of backfire on her for sure. Next chat question. Yeah, Bill wants to know: Did you notice uh, any contestant that acted very differently on air versus off air? Um, you know, I will say they chose wisely this time around. Um, they picked a bunch of unique individuals, as you can see. Like, never before has the cast looked the way it does now. Um, you know, I got to say, if anything, people just got more nervous on camera, and it kind of humbled them a little bit. But overall, like, everybody you saw, that, that was them. The only difference, like Penny, you know, Penny, who's really making a name for herself, um, she's one way on the show, but 
like off the show, she's like a nurturing mom type, you know? And like, nobody believes me when I say that, but she always wanted to like take care of you and feed you and make sure, you know, you were okay. So it's like, whoa, this is, this is insane. Well, it seems like right now, all the guys are getting along well with Penny at this point in the show and the women kind of hate Penny. <laughs> I mean, come on, you're fighting over boxes in a grocery store. I mean, that's, yeah. that's you know, that was nuts. Penny did get thrown to the boys this week, you know. It was, it was her turn, I guess. Jill had won that challenge, and just, you saw how quick Jill picked, you know. Right. And um, we just took Penny in, and we made the best of it, because she is one serious cook. Yeah. What's the, what's the bonding like between you guys back there? I mean, you know, is, are, you, are you becoming friendly, or are you starting to argue with each other at this point in the series? Um, actually, there's a lot of bonding going on. I've never seen, like, the last few weeks that the show was on, it was serious sadness in the room when someone left. Maybe not from everyone, but you're competing against someone, and it's the weirdest thing I've ever experienced. You're sad to see them go, but you're there to win. It's like one of the roughest things I've ever had explaining. You know, it's like, I want to win this, but I'm going to miss this person. But that's one step closer to winning the show. You know, I know um, a lot of the, my friends that have done Top Chef and Top Chef Masters and things like that, and even you see it on the air, they're always in the back in the stir room, and you can see how many bottles of booze they go through, man. <laughs> Is there a lot of drinking in that house, man? Um, in the house, there was definitely uh, an extent of unwinding cocktails, but overall, um, I got to say, everybody pretty much respected the bottle in this case. So not the, um, the real-world philosophy of get you drunk and try to get you to hook up or punch each other. That's not no, what the producers are about here. Not at all, man. And not at all. If anything, there, like drama, of course, has you know happened on its own. But they weren't really shooting for anything like that. They're looking for their next food star. They want to see how good you can cook and how well you can handle it. Right. Cool. Well, I'm gonna hopefully have you back. Just about we we want we want Vic back, right? Yes. Okay. I'll be back. This is my home. This is why I put the Vegas name on me. This is Vegas. I'm going to be here with Al. We're going to keep doing this. Yeah, so anytime Vic is in town on a Thursday when we shoot, hopefully, as long as you're on the show, even after, God forbid, they kick you off, I'd still love your insight as many times as you can come down. Absolutely. So we're going to keep a spot open for you every week, um, you know, maybe a little shorter than this time, because, sure. um, but, you know, we'll at least have you come in and talk about the episode. What's coming up this week? Oh, wow. Um, first of all, a dream come true. Paula Dean is in the house. And we're going to be catering to the set of Cougar Town. So we're going to have celebrities now. And here's the chance now to see what they think of us. Would they watch us? Would they not? What is Paula Dean going to think of us? You know, so here we are. We have the chance now to impress Paula Dean and some real celebrities. Now this is one of the true tests, one that we haven't faced yet. So we've got to tune in and see what happens. You into Cougars? <sighs> <laughs> As I said, uh, next week, tune on in and see what happens. Okay, thanks a lot, man. And you know, in honor of you, we're going to be doing um, some tequila because you had a great, great um, thing. I'll let you know when it's time to go. Stay? You know, no, no, no. You know, we're going to get you out of here before we drink the tequila. But anyway, um, in honor of your dish, which was a tequila cream puff that did yes. really well for you this week, we're going to talk tequila. Not with you. As soon as we go to the little commercial break. Oh, there we go. Where that? That's the light. Do I get the steak? You can hang out over there. We'll be doing some tasting a little bit, you don't, and me don't, afterwards. Don't forget but, me. Okay. okay. Anyway, we will be right back after this. Not no pressure. Hi, I'm. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dennis Silvers from. Can't think of the name of my damn show. Golf and other four-letter words, and you're watching the Vegas Video Network. I think.
Welcome back. You are at Top of the Food Chain on Vegas Video Network, and I am Al Mancini, your host. And I am here now with Troy from Agave. Agave Restaurant, yes. yes. We wanted to talk to Keela in tribute to Vic and the great dish he did this week. And one of the best places in town to get tequila is agave. What do you guys have, about a billion tequilas? We're at a little over 100. A little we over are. 100. A little over 100 selections. Uh, many different producers, of course, uh, different styles. And uh, it's uh, from the tequilas to the cocktails, you can mix and match and do a bunch of different things with it. Okay, yeah, and I first want to start with just the basics on tequila. Um, tequila's got kind of a bad rep in the alcohol world. I mean, people think tequila, I used to call it like the heroin of alcohol. It's like, oh. you know, you may think you can handle your drugs, but you can't <laughs> handle heroin. You may think you can handle your booze, but you can't handle tequila. It's everyone's first hangover. You know, between that, the Southern Comfort, whatever you can get out of your father's cabinet, you know, it, it takes that effect and you, you overdo it. It's your first hangover, it's usually <laughs> your first blackout, it's yeah. usually, oftentimes your first arrest. Very true. Sometimes your first arrest in, <laughs> in Tijuana, perhaps, you know. Yes. Um, but, you know, really, tequila is about more than just slamming tequila. I mean, that's, you know. There's so much more to it. There really is. Uh, I mean, there's so many different forms of it. You want to use it for mixing in cocktails. You might just want to sit down and have it as an after-dinner drink. I mean, there's so many different ways of consuming it. So. And when you, ha when you drink straight tequila, I mean, do you kind of sip it the way you would with a cognac or a, a nice scotch or something? That would be the way they would want it to be enjoyed, yes. How about you? <laughs> for me, uh, if it's a Blanco, I don't mind shooting it. I do like to sip it. I actually enjoy Reposado more than anything. I, it's, it's nice. It's not too over-oaked or anything. It's just a subtle, nice thing to sip on. You know, it's great with food. I enjoy it uh, in cocktails and many other ways, but as to enjoy it, I, I would prefer to sip it, yes. Okay. Um, <laughs> let's talk a bit about the history of tequila, what it means for something to be a tequila. Tequila, right. first of all, is made from agave plants, right? It is. Uh, it's blue ever agave. Yeah, and agave, I mean, if you live here in Las Vegas, you're going to see agave just about everywhere. I mean, you go up to Red Rock, and there's big, big <laughs> giant agave plants growing. You know, I went to, like, the Plant World website. I think there's yes. 15 kinds of agave you can buy to plant in your backyard. Does that mean I can just go to like some rich jerk's backyard and steal his agave and just brew up some tequila? Uh, unfortunately not, no. Um, to be called tequila, it needs to be produced in Jalisco. And within Jalisco, there's five different regions that you can produce tequila from. It's actually the only area that you can make tequila from to call it tequila. They have legal rights over that. Uh, the so it's very, very similar, for example, champagne yes. has to be made in the Champagne Valley. Um, Europe is mm -hmm. very well known for certain, not only alcoholic beverages, mm -hmm. that, but you know, also ingredients that if they're not made in a certain region, they you, can't have that name. So very, very similar with tequila. Very true. Cognac, Armagnac, all those regions. To have the name tequila, it has to be made in that area. Okay. Um, and what you're looking for to be 100% blue agave, which is blue Weber agave, which is grows in that area. So that's, that is their you know, dominant agave plant there. To call it 100% tequila, it has to be 100% blue agave. They have mixtos where anything over 51%, they can call it tequila, but it's still going to be a mixto. They can add in caramel coloring, they can add in sugars, they can add in a bunch of other things. But it, it will say on the label, not 100% tequila. Okay. So once we get within tequila, and you know it's coming from the Jalisco mm -hmm. region, and it's coming from blue agave, we now have the three things that I think are going to frighten most people when they see them on a menu, or maybe not frighten them, but really be misunderstood. And that is we have Blanco, we have Reposado, and we have Añejo. That's what you're going to see in 90% of Absolutely. tequilas. Explain what that means. And then you got to make a decision on what you want to drink. All right. right. So the Blancos, as you can see, they're clear. They, uh, they don't touch any wood. 
Blanca they, meaning white. Meaning right? white, yeah, exactly. They, uh, they're pressed, they are produced, you can actually bottle them right there, or you can put it in stainless steel containers, whichever you like to do. But uh, it's usually just manufactured right then and there, and it's ready to drink. Uh, Reposado, you're gonna age it a little, you're gonna rest it a little, and you are gonna put it on anywhere from two to 11 months. So within that time frame, you can judge it. If you want to leave it a little longer to get a little bit more color out of it, a little more flavor out of the oak barrels, it's up to you. It's your choice. It's up to the distiller. Then uh, Añejo is going to be anywhere from basically the 12-month period up to three years. So depending on the color of what you want on that one, I mean, you could go, you could let it go all the way the full three years and get a whole other product. It might have a little more of the vanilla flavor coming from the char of the barrels, the wood, and things like that. So there's a bunch of different ways you can look at the three different and resting ages. I don't know um, Spanish at all. I'm sorry, I didn't watch Sesame Street as much as I should have as a kid. But <laughs> I did get Blanco means white, and yeah. Reposado means rested, basically. Means correct? rested, yeah. And then Añejo means a aged. year, right? Or aged. Oh, aged, yeah. okay. So it's, it's definitely, uh, and then they have a, a newer, since the, you know, since tequila has actually taken on a lot of consumers, they have extra añejos now where people are actually aging it five years and 10 years and really trying to see how long it can be aged in the barrels. And but you get a, that's still an experimental kind of process. Yeah. It's not like we already know that scotch gets better. Yeah. You know, we don't really know where the cutoff point is going to be for tequila and you know, when it's going to stop being a good idea. Very true, very true, right? yeah. You know. So um, I want to go through a couple. We have, um, what do we have sitting in front of us right now? We have, a, we have, we have a, a couple of different here? producers. Yeah, the Blanco is actually, it's a, called Sotol. It's, it's a form of a tequila, you could say. It's actually made in Chihuahua, but it can't and hold the this? name. Yes, it can't hold the name tequila because it's actually made in Chihuahua. It's not made in Jalisco, but it is made with a, a type of agave plant also. So yeah, okay, do we have a Blanco up here that is? There's uh, a, actually, I have one down there. there. Yeah. Okay, in the meantime, I am going to take a question, and then I'm going to bring up some of the more tequilas for you. What do we have going on, Scott? And he wants to know, of the three types of tequila you just mentioned, is one better than the other. And then she, he also wanted to know, are those three categories printed on the bottle of each tequila? Yes, they are, they are printed on the bottle of the tequila for sure. And the way you'd like to use them, it all depends. Um, to use an Añejo to mix a cocktail with it, you're more or less taking a really, really great product and, and adding a bunch of things to it. You don't really need to do that. It's great on its own. The Blancos and the Reposados are better for mixing. Uh, you want to sip on the Añejos, you really do. It it's really shows what it is. Okay, so we have a Blanco here, which mm -hmm. is the first one that you actually spoke about. And tell people when they, when they have a Blanco, what exactly should they be expecting? And you're probably better at opening that than I am. <laughs> With the Blancos, you're going to get more of a true expression of what the fruit is. Um, they, uh, they're not adding any oak, they're not adding any aging to it. So this is the base of exactly what you're having. So this is really just what you get this from is distilling the agave straight up. Absolutely. And how many times is it distilled? It's double distilled. Double distilled, okay. And... I gotta have some too. Yes, of course. Yes. We're not, yeah. No, we're not... <laughs> you're the man who brought the tequila. We don't do that. We don't play that way here, man. You, right. you buy, you drink. <laughs> Cheers. Cheers. So what am I looking for in this? It's gonna be a little more rustic. You know, you're gonna have a little... Um, you're gonna get more earthy tones, you're gonna get more of a sweetness from the agave itself too, so a little taste. Nice, this is what most people think of when they think of tequila. It's clean, it's very clean. It's not, there's no oak, there's no sweetness to it, empired from the oak or anything, so. So do we have a reposado up there? Uh, yes, we do. Be right here. This bad boy? Yeah. This bad boy. Yeah. Okay, so now just, you know, color-wise, we're already looking, you've seen, 
the Blanco, which is just extraordinarily clear. Now we're going into the Reposado. This has been rested for between two, two and 11 months. Two and 11 months. Yeah. Not quite a year, because then it becomes an Añejo. But if you just show them the color on it. You can see the, the yeah. differences between the, the difference two of them. The difference between the two. I mean, it just, you know, obviously. And a lot of people will, for example, Cuervo will kind of add caramel coloring to make their you can basic, yeah. but that's not good tequila. No, doesn't do that. So, the coloring so should come from the aging. They've really actually really uh, strengthened their program by introducing 100% blue agave tequilas. Right. Uh, this being one of them, Jose Cuervo traditional. Okay, that is a yeah. Cuervo, but you, the, the stuff that you may just buy is the base. If you buy a special and things like that, yeah, they do have 50% uh, mix those. Right. Style. So they're going to have the color, but they're not really going to have the characteristics. Exactly. That was water I just downed, by the way, to clear the glass, if you wonder why I'm still, why I'm still able to speak after that. Try a little Reposado? Please. All right. Now, again, this is set in the oak. The, do these oak barrels, um, are they fresh, or do they buy them from, say, a whiskey manufacturer in the United States? So that's, once again, that's choice of the distiller. Um, and they do. They buy Jack Daniels barrels, which is great. You got these bourbon barrels that have flavor in them already and you're adding your tequila to it, so it actually can change the finished product by far. You could do, you could toast them, make them darker toasted, so you can get a darker burn out of it, and you could do a, a bunch of different ways. It all depends on what the distiller wants to do and what they want their finished product as. Okay, when, so I should be looking for in this one? I'm sorry, I didn't oh, mean sorry. to cut you off there. No, I'm saying, when you're drinking the Blancos, you're getting the true expression of what it is. Now they're starting to change them a little, just for everyone, if it starts off bad this way, it's not going to get any better. Right. So if, if you drink their Blanco first and you're, you really don't care for it, go to a different product. Don't expect the <laughs> It's not going to get any better. better. Okay. <laughs> pick up some more notes of smoke just in the nose, right? When you Smoky, a little vanilla notes you get into it. Um, you really get to start to toast, smell the toast of the barrel. Absolutely. It mellows it out. It's by far, it's a smoother drink. They're the same alcohol level. We're not changing the alcohol level, right. just the way it ages. Okay, before we move on to Añejo, we've got another question. Yeah, we got two. Uh, Cooper wants to know, what is your favorite tequila to drink personally, not in a cocktail, but as a sipper? Uh, it's actually coming up. It's the last one back here. It's the Jose Corvo La Reserva de La Familia. It's, uh, it's just... To me, it's a little sweeter. It's between this tequila and another one, Don Julio's 1942. If uh, the Don Julio 1942 has a beautiful vanilla flavor to it, it's almost like it's vanilla extract in it, and it, it's just such a great taste. The uh, the especial, the La Reserva, it's it has a little sweetness to it that I enjoy. So that's what I prefer to sip on. <laughs> okay. Nate wants to know, can you recommend a tequila that might be off the beaten path, but that I can find at my local store? In Las Vegas, you, you may be able to find this, the 1519. It's not a very popular brand. Uh, we use it. I really do think they have an exceptional product for, the, for exactly for what it costs. I think it's just great. And you know, what would the price point be if I were to go to a Lee's or even in my local supermarket? You could find well, it. I'd, I'd probably have to go to a Lee's. Yeah, go to a Lee's, like and, and you'd find it in the $20 range, and then for the Blancos, and then it goes up from there. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely fair, and it's a great price, and it's a good product. Okay. Now, this bad boy, now, is this a... Yeah. A, this That's the extra. Añejo? Yeah. It's an extra Añejo? Yeah. Okay, well, yeah, why we can't drink one of everything? So we will skip over the basic Añejo and go to the one that's really a hardcore kind of Añejo and give people a little background on this, baby. All right, this is more or less for Jose Corvo, they, it's a name that everyone can associate with tequila. Uh, everyone knows the name. It has a, a great product. It's 
been in the town of Tequila from when it all really originated. So okay. the, uh, these barrels are special. They're actually aged down in their own cave. Then uh, they're brought up and then each bottle is hand done. They're not done in a manufacturing process or anything. They're actually poured through. There's three people that actually hand label each bottle, dip it in wax. Um, it's an amazing procedure just to be a part of the people that actually get to make it. You know, it, you, you're, you have to have worked in the distillery for years before you get to be at that level to you're bottling the La Familia. Okay, I am going to pour a little of this while Scott goes to the chat line. Chat yep. room. <laughs> no wants to know. Uh, in the tequila world, was the, or what was the opinion of the Cabo Wabo tequila? And were people surprised when he uh, was able to sell that business? For $50 million <laughs> for, I think, 51%, I think, right? I think you did really well for himself. Uh, it comes down to, it, it's, a, it's a good product. It is. It's a, it's a great product. It had wonderful marketing behind it. And, you know, that's, it got everyone's attention when he did it. And by all means, I mean, it is a good tequila. It doesn't have anything wrong with it. it it's, I enjoy it in cocktails. I've been to the bars, you know. I've, it, it's a fun product, and if you're... You know, enjoying it in one of his bars and having a good time. Why not? What type, of, what type of tequila is that? Cabo Wabo. Cabo I mean, Wabo. But yeah, no, he three. makes it. He makes it all the way through. He makes a blanco. Yeah. He makes oh, a he reposado. Yeah. He makes añejo. I personally like his reposado, but I generally like reposados. I think añejos can almost get yeah. too smoky at a certain point. They can take in too much from the barrel. But I'll say, I know Sammy. Um, I don't know Sammy. We're not buddies, but I've met Sammy quite a few times and um, hung with him. Look up, and I'm not going to say it because I don't want to get it quite wrong and have Sammy smack me next time he sees me. Look up Sammy Hagar's age online, though, and for a guy that drinks tequila like every day and looks as good as he does at his age, there's got to be something good with that tequila. Absolutely. He is old, man. <laughs> he's got energy, too. You see him on I stage. I know, and he's, he's got crazy energy. energy on stage, and I think tequila is the secret to his success. So, um, yeah. Okay, here we go. With, and what am I looking for in this Añejo? Now, this one is going to be a little richer, a little more of the oak. Um, it's going to be a lot more mellow. You won't have the sharpness that you have on the Blanco by far. And it, to me, this, no, this tequila almost, has a little sweetness to it. You know? yeah, it almost doesn't seem like a tequila. No, it's, it's meant to sip on and enjoy it, have a cigar with it. Yeah, I mean, it's almost got hints. Of, well, it still has the tequila bite that tequila has. It almost got, got, has hints of other whiskeys, of, um, of a good scotch, a good bourbon maybe. So. Absolutely. And it, it should be enjoyed in that same category. You know, if, if someone wants an after-dinner drink of a nice aged scotch, I love aged rums. You know, they're fantastic. They have wonderful flavor also. But the tequila, I mean, it's one of those spirits where sometimes it gets overshined and it absolutely should be a, a part of that level. Okay, now um, I want to talk a bit about mezcal, and I think we have mm -hmm. a few down here that I'll pull up, but could you explain to people exactly what the difference is between right. mezcal and tequila? So, all right, so mezcal, everyone, uh, well, everyone takes the worm into consideration where they see the worm and they think, oh, you know, it, it's a tequila. It's actually, it started in the whole mezcal trend of it. So, and uh, there is a producer called Del Maguey who uh, produces some of the, the greatest mezcals out there by far. He takes single village mezcals and, and he, so he'll find the agaves that are, which are the Maguey's in that area. They're made in Oaxaca. So they're different than tequila. And uh, what he does, he takes the pinas and he smokes them underground. So they have a much more smoky flavor where agave is actually steamed in these huge ovens. So it doesn't have the underground smokiness flavor of what the mezcal was. And that's what makes them completely different. Um, can I not quite finish that? I hate to ruin your good stuff, but I, I want to be able to oh. pronounce 
my words by the end of the show. Although I wasn't doing it at the beginning, so who knows. Now this is going to taste completely different. Um, so yeah, we're going to Mescal, and no, so there's not always a worm in the bottle. In this no, no, this is, uh, you will find the worm on the bottle, absolutely, on some of the, uh, some of the, the brands that are, are more or less bulk produced. You know, they're just doing that for, just to get it out there. Right. Okay, there we go. Now this one will, will resemble much more like a scotch. Okay, and now this has got still the coloration of a Blanco. I mean, yeah. I have very little in here because, again, I want to be able to walk. But um, it's got the coloration of a Blanco, but you're saying I'm going to get taste more like a scotch. Yes, it, so the pinas are cooked underground. Um, mm. I'm from Hawaii. It's almost like doing an emu where you cook a pig underground. You get the smokiness. You get everything. So that's what you're getting out of the pinas out of this one. Wow. Oh, the smoke. Yeah, it overpowers The smokiness it. in that is absolutely, I would think, cooking. I mean, that, that, that would really be something good to cook with. Vic, we'll ask you about that next week when you're back, about if you've ever cooked. Okay. <laughs> um, that's great. Look, we are out of time. I was going to have you make everybody some margaritas, but I do want, you know, people, I know a lot of people, everybody's got their own margarita recipe. Everybody <laughs> thinks and everybody wants to know how to make the perfect margarita. What I asked you to do is bring a recipe that is the most basic, easy to make, but still high quality recipe. And we're going to throw it up on the screen right now. Okay. And just explain to people, this is, this is also your house margarita <laughs> at agave. It is. Uh, basically, we're using one and a half ounces of the 1519 Blanco. Which again, you said you can get for about $20. About $20. Um, Citronge is basically, uh, and it's an orange liqueur. You have Grand Marnier, you have Cointreau, you have Citronge. Um, they really showcase what an orange liqueur is. Uh, then you're going to use a three quarters same amount of uh, simple syrup, or you could use agave nectar, whichever you have. Uh, and then use a fresh whole lime. Don't, don't go buy sweet and sour or anything, just use the fresh lime juice. Shake it up, pour it, and that's a really, really good, just straightforward margarita. Go. And I can guarantee you people that there are people in the studio who will be <laughs> drinking that 15, five minutes after yep. we sign off. <laughs> right, there's, yeah, we don't play. We do not play. I think we're gonna have to have one else. Well, yeah, we're definitely gonna have to have one, you and I. And Vic, I know, is sitting there, oh man, he's Absolutely. just, he's drooling over there. So, um, again, Agave has well over 100 tequilas, well over 100, a great yeah. place in town. I also recommend, if you're on the Strip, Diego has an yeah. incredible tequila program. Any other places that you recommend? Who has a, uh, in Treasure Island, they have the uh, Isla. Has a, has oh, Isla, yeah. yeah Isla has a, has great a great program. Also. Yeah. So look, we do get some questions from time to time, email questions mm -hmm. before I sign off. I, um, I have something from Jackie, and it's regarding the restaurant Onda, which happens to be in the Mirage. A great restaurant. Mm -hmm. I really, actually, I can't say I like the restaurant. She asked what my favorite <laughs> dish is at the restaurant. I love Onda. I recommend it to people all the time. And I seriously think you should go there. The front area of Onda kind of has a feel like as if you're in um, Grand Central Station. Yeah. It's just kind of got those vaulted ceilings and tiles and beautiful place. The front area is a wine bar, which is an excellent wine bar. And they've got one of the better selections for a restaurant of charcuterie and fine cheeses here in Las Vegas. Um, so Jackie, I really can't recommend anything in the main restaurant because I don't go to the main restaurant, but I love going there for charcuterie and fine cheeses. And Lots if you don't, think you know anything about charcuterie and fine cheeses, you can go to the Vegas Video Network archives for, um, for Top of the Food Chain or, or uh, where else are we? iTunes, 
kill is getting to me now, <laughs> or iTunes or YouTube, any of those places. I have done episodes on both fine cheeses and on charcuterie. You can get all the basics from there. Go to Onda. Very, very reasonably priced. You can pick, there's usually nine or 10 cheeses, nine or 10 um, pieces of charcuterie. You can mix and match, you know, a selection of three, five. Very affordable, very reasonable. So that's where I would send you at Onda. And that, with the little blue light flashing that says it's time for Al to get out of here and <laughs> go home, um, I've got a few things to promote. Actually, I wanted to promote my new website, which is about to kick off, but I don't think it's live yet. So we'll talk about that next week. As always, my book, Eating Las Vegas, <laughs> The 50 Essential Restaurants, it is the definitive guide to dining here in Las Vegas, if I do say so myself. Absolutely. And if I don't, who else is going to? Um, in the meantime, Vic Vegas will be back hopefully next week. We're hoping, if his schedule permits. And um, it doesn't matter whether he's back or not. You watch him this Sunday night. You're on Sundays, right, Vic? Yes, Sunday Sunday's night. night. Sunday nights. Sunday nights. You can see him on Next Food Network Star. And excuse me, Food Network Star. They keep changing the title on me. Um, I forget <laughs> what it is. But um, anyway, watch it. It's on the Food Network Sunday night. Vic has come out of his shell. He was starting to embarrass us as a city, but he's starting to kick ass right he's now. Back on. He's kicking ass. He's on a roll. And I highly recommend to anybody in Las Vegas, you want to root for somebody. Vegas born and raised. He loves, I don't know if you're born and raised, but a Vegas guy who is, loves the town so much, he put it in his name, for goodness sake. <laughs> Next week, we're going to find out his real name, too. So um, that's about it for today. Guys, thanks everyone for coming. Thanks Scott and um, Jacob and my entire audience. Thank you. Thank you. Absolutely. We'll see Vic next week, hopefully. And that is Top of the Food Chain. <laughs>